Have you ever thought about how many things come in threes? It is almost endless how many configurations of three you can find. In the physical realm, you have atoms composed of protons, neutrons, and electrons. In science, you have three branches of chemistry, biology, and physics. In religion, you have the trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In agriculture, there's the three sisters of corn, beans, and squash. In culture, you can point to everything from the three little pigs to the three musketeers. In literature, there are an abundance of trilogies. In sports, you have three strikes in baseball and three periods in hockey, and on and on. In music, there's the organ trio and piano trio in jazz, the power trio in rock, and the classical tradition has a long history with the string trio. But how about acoustic roots music? While three-part harmony is foundational to bluegrass especially, how many trios can you point to? In country music, there's the Carter family. In bluegrass and bluegrass adjacent music, I can think of the Kruger Brothers, Nickel Creek, John Stickley Trio, and not many more. However, these ranks gained another member when a band from Durango, Colorado came onto the scene in 2017. Stillhouse Junkies was originally a quartet, but they soon trimmed down to the trio you're hearing now. With Fred Kozak on guitar and mandolin, Alyssa Wolfe on fiddle, and Cody Tennant on bass, playing a live version of their yet-to-be-released song, Upriver. They blurred the lines between bluegrass, swing, and blues, often venturing into the jamgrass territory staked out by their musical forebears and fellow Coloradans, Yonder Mountain String Band. Whatever style they're called, doing all this with just three members makes for a much different dynamic. And that is one of the things that we talked about after their debut at the Albino Skunk Music Festival in October 2023. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, welcoming you to our episode on Steelhouse Junkies on Southern Songs and Stories.
chance again, my friend, my friend. You may never see the day. Ten thousand hanging on your every word I heard. It was worth whatever price you had to Worth whatever price you had to Worth whatever lonely price you had to on that song writing for you. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. It was after their set that I sat with Stillhouse Junkies in the 1951 model GMC Highway Coach originally owned and operated by Greyhound, which still takes the Albino Skunk crew to other festivals, but during their own festival serves as a hangout and bunk space for their artists. It is worth noting how impressed Stillhouse Junkies was with the bus, mainly for its ceiling, which is covered with signatures of artists who have played Skunkfest. Artists like Doc Watson, Billy Strings, Robert Earl Keane, Ralph Stanley, David Grisman, and Del McCurry, among many other legendary artists, signed it over the festival's now almost 30-year run. I asked how they got a full big sound out of their trio. Here's Fred Kozak, followed by Cody Tennant and Alyssa Wolf. It's worth pointing out, I guess, that the band was originally four members, and when we dropped to three, we had a period where we, we thought about trying to find somebody else and uh, decided instead to just see what where it would kind of push us all uh, in terms of our rhythm playing and our approach to our instruments and vocals, which we take really seriously and try to um, make that a big part of the sound. But um, that was a little bit of a, of a challenge for the band to try to to work with with uh, just the three members and and we've all definitely had to stretch a little bit on our on our own instruments and find some new uh, find some new spaces in, in the rhythm playing that we do and our, our approach to arranging I think has definitely been influenced by that because we all have to carry a little bit more of the load so yeah I mean big time yeah I mean it's very specifically everything we try to arrange and stuff is and write is specifically to to do that. Uh, try to fill sound and sound nice and full like there are more of us than there are even yeah and as the 
fiddle player, I've definitely had to get pretty creative with being able to help fill the, the mid-range sound um, with Cody while Fred's taking breaks, because when Fred takes a break on the guitar, all of a sudden we lose the guitar. So it's been definitely a, a big growth spurt for all of us to figure out how to make that sound. And the biggest compliment we can get after a show is someone coming up and saying, you guys sound like more people than three. We love that compliment, because that's our goal. That was my big takeaway, honestly. Yeah, that's... And and the uh, the the sort of the, I don't know what you would say, intrinsic value of a trio having that power trio capability of being able to strap on that extra layer of sound i think you've got it oh, well thank you oh, so much thank you thanks i mean we really love the trio honestly we talk about it in the van a lot we love being a trio yeah yeah all right also would like to uh call out the whole colorado thing but the tie to appalachia so you know you're a, a trio that's not a bluegrass band but you've got the sort of the classic setup with a lot of those elements, obviously. So fiddle, bass, guitar. Um, I like uh, to compare and contrast what's going on in Colorado versus like a lot of the music that uh, started, I guess, what you're playing and, and the Appalachian bluegrass sort of tradition. Um, can you tell us about how you got to where you are and where you might have uh, traced your roots musically? Uh, I think when we started to, to move in the direction of being a, an all-original band, which we pretty much are now, we play a handful of covers, but we're mostly playing our own music, and um, I was doing most of the writing early on, and I wasn't really writing to a genre or style or sound, I was just kind of tinkering with stuff that I thought was interesting, and I think we all would agree we like bands that are, are harder maybe to, to pin down into a particular category. They feel like uh, any given song or album could be something new and they, they just are kind of pursuing their own thing in a, in a way that feels true to them and we've tried to do that. Uh, we don't really consider ourselves a particular genre of band. Totally, but I think we got there kind of, and yeah, I mean we got there kind of through the vein of bluegrass somehow. I mean, I don't know how really. I mean, we started with like grassy repertoire and we write with grassy tendencies. I think we're like, and we all love bluegrass and play bluegrass and, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and then the, and then, you know, uh, our relationship with the IBMA has been really positive and we love that organization. And so being involved with that has been a, another tie to the bluegrass world that we have but yeah totally like fred is saying you know it's kind of really us just doing what we want to do and a lot of times it kind of sounds a little bluegrassy is all you know and sometimes it super doesn't yeah, <laughs> yeah and i think our individual backgrounds play a really big role in the music that we play and that we write um and i think you know all of us have played some bluegrass i came from a classical background some of us have jazz influence and swing influence so that just plays a role in the music we're writing, and I think it's just coming from our bones. Yeah, but the Colorado scene specifically, I mean, I know that, you know, Alyssa and I, uh, Alyssa primarily is a Colorado native. I grew up uh, there a little bit. But, you know, bands like Yonder, mm -hmm. obviously our age, the age that we are and, and living in Colorado, those bands absolutely, like, impacted us um, for sure, you know. And the scene in Colorado has all has been very vibrant since then but it's a different flavor for sure you know mm -hmm. and 
and I think the three of us, you know, gravitate somewhere in between in those two worlds when it comes to bluegrass too. But and Colorado is a very receptive uh, audience for whatever kind of band you might happen to be. People are, are people just love people music. People love live music, and you know, I've seen this before when somebody's like checking the snare drum and there's somebody dancing you know like, <laughs> yeah. like there's always going to be that guy or that gal who's who's up front like ready to go and and people aren't uh they don't feel like they're sizing you up and kind of deciding whether you're the the, the right you know kind of kind of band i mean everyone's just very supportive and, and excited about live music and that's I think a big reason for the kind of bands that have come out of Colorado, but also the success of a lot of bands who aren't from Colorado playing in that area because they just, they go there and love it and people love them. And it's a, it's very receptive and friendly place for a, a touring band. Here's a song about my grandpa Al road tripping from uh, Northern Minnesota, the Iron Range of Minnesota, where my dad grew up all the way out to the, uh, to the West Coast, the Pacific Ocean. And uh, he drove 35 miles an hour all the way because he, uh, calculated that he would save the most money on gas. And this one goes out to my dad's entire <clears throat> very stubborn side of the family. This is called Colorado Bound. Thinking about fiddle, about how, you know, in a in a the old time context and uh, through the roots music tradition, you know, it's it's got that sort of guitar virtuosity. You know, that's that's the showy melodic instrument. But I think the way that your fiddle works in Stillhouse Junkies has. Um, obviously that flash but it's also really locked into the way you all are are running some melody lines it, it, it's the way it sounds to me i don't know what do you think about that yeah for sure i mean the fiddle has to be pretty dynamic in this group it has it has a lot of roles um a lot of what i'm doing is focusing on groove so you know these these two are heavy groovers like they're really really incredibly <laughs> groovers <laughs> a heavy groover that heavy means groover. something else to yeah, you're a river if you're a whitewater raptor person yeah anyway sorry um so you know a lot of what i'm doing whether i'm playing melodically or rhythmically or filling in particular melodies or these guys are still laughing at me um is i'm i'm also focusing on grooving with them and i think that's like a really big part of our trio is that like we're really listening to each other in that way but um, it is fun to use the fiddle to play sort of those like electric guitar kind of like 
flashy. I think that's what you're referring to. Yep. Like you can kind of get that like high, you know, so that's, it's, yeah, it's definitely like really fun to be able to do that. And I, I love being able to stretch out in this group. I feel like I can touch on like elements of swing, elements of classical, elements of bluegrass, elements of jazz, elements of funk. So I'm thinking about all of that. And I think of the fiddle personally as the original electric guitar, you know, because you have infinite sustain on the fiddle. Like you don't have that. Sure do. on, you don't have that <laughs> on non-bowed instruments, and it's in that same range, and it can have that same attitude. And you don't need pedals, and you don't need anything to get that. And Alyssa definitely gets that. And we play some some kind of rock oriented stuff and some things that where it can really scream and wail and make some noise and do some kind of distorted sounding stuff and that's I think of when I write I, I have that in the back of my head like the fiddle is the electric guitar you know I'm playing guitar but I think the fiddle is like more guitar than the guitar you know in a way man <laughs> <laughs> well said Fred <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, thanks so much, Skunk Farm. We'll see you guys again. We are Stellar's Junkies from Durango, Colorado. That's Cody Tennant on the bass, everybody. Alyssa Wolf on the fiddle. That's Fred Kozak on guitar and mandolin. Thank you. We'll see you all down the road. We got John- Closing out their set on October 6th, 2023 in Greer, South Carolina at the Albino Skunk Music Festival. That is Alyssa Wolf's new composition, Johnny Mack, referring to the tennis player, John McEnroe. Life on tour can be hard with days spent driving hundreds of miles to the next gig or even right after a show on any given night, like Stillhouse Junkies did before their show that day and again immediately afterward. I asked them about what filled their time both inside and outside of this routine. Here's Fred Kozak. We're into coffee. We find good <laughs> coffee shops all over. Yep. We try to find the best coffee in whatever town, city we're in. And um, we like to, when we have some downtime, we like to, to try to figure out what the cool stuff is to do and the place yeah. where, you know, we try to, to, you know, take advantage of all the traveling we do and not just be yep. on our way to the next thing. If we have downtime, we try to talk to locals and hopefully if we have friends in the, the today area. Yeah, yeah like today for example we, we you know we got up a little early so that we could drive to folly beach uh we were in charleston last night and we got coffee and walked to the ocean and just stood there so you went from the ocean to up here and you're going back yeah to, yeah yeah, yeah. go back to the ocean but you know we yeah we try to take advantage of being in all these spots and if we're in a new place where we've heard about something that you have to check out and we have time we definitely do it so you know, we kind of try to spin it into a little bit of a of a mini vacation when we can, because it takes some of the, the pressure off of just the you know big we, to gig and you know grind. we t- and we I will say too, man. You know, we talk about uh, we talk about tour a lot because like being on the road as much as we are, it's a real struggle. Like really, I mean, we're three adult people that um, you know that we don't live together. Uh, but it's like we, but live we pretty much do now. So yeah. and, and and you know it, our van isn't that big, and we don't usually uh, always get a separate room to sleep in. So you know we have to like maintain all of that, and um, that's another reason we're thankful in a lot of ways to be a trio is because we know each other and what we need to do, or we're just trying to learn anyway. <laughs> uh, and you know it's tough. Like that's that's a lot of why bands don't survive is just personnel and stuff like that and you know um so honestly lately it's because of the being the end of the year and the dates we've done i mean we've been talking a lot about mental <laughs> making, health making like, sure yeah. that we're okay and everyone's getting what we need every day and because because right now like things are everybody's fragile I mean, all mm-hmm. of us are very fragile yeah we're stretched a little thin we've been out for a long time yeah so yeah. that's and i think a lot of bands that are on the road as much as we are spend a lot of time talking about that stuff yeah you have to it's the main obstacle to your long-term success is just your ability to keep everybody happy and you know keep the the vibe of the band positive and you know most bands break up not because of disputes around creative stuff it's just because people I want to share a hotel room with yeah. the drummer or something, you know. Well, yeah. who would? That, the I mean, drummer. Really. Well, yeah, I mean, that's maybe a bad, <laughs> poor, yeah, maybe a bad example. Well, this is a, a whiskey drinking song. I don't know if we got any fans of that sweet, sweet brown liquor out there, but uh, this band was kind of steeped in it from the very beginning. We played a distillery gig back in Durango for the first couple of years that we were all uh, together and ended up playing about 90 times in the tasting room. We'll send this out to our, our friends Michael and Amy McCardle at Durango Craft Spirits. This is called Whiskey Prison. <laughs> Thank you. 
That about does it for this episode. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and hope you can help us by spreading awareness of this endeavor. It's as easy as telling a friend and following this podcast on your platform of choice, both of which are quick, easy, and free. Next, it takes just a moment to give us a top rating and where it's an option, a review. It makes a great difference because the more top reviews and ratings we get, the more visible we become to everyone on those platforms, which means that more people just like you connect with artists like Stillhouse Junkies. One more note about Stillhouse Junkies, they have new music coming out in 2024 and are working on some intriguing collaborations, which they are keeping really close to the vest. And one more note about the Albano Skunk Music Festival, check out some of the many episodes on this series recorded there with artists ranging from Daryl Scott to The War and Treaty, Sierra Farrell, The Ruin Brothers, and Elon Jewell, to name just a few. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at OsirisPod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at BluegrassPlanetRadio.com. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Mink, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories the music of the South, and the artists who make it. some exciting collaborations we're going to be rolling out this winter too with some other artists um, which I think you know that's something we haven't done a lot of yet and we're really excited to dive into that world and start collaborating with some friends um, to roll out new music in the coming years so can you tell us more so it's a surprise <laughs> it's a surprise you gotta you gotta follow us and keep an eye on us and you're gonna find out that's true 
Yes. It will be. It's a good surprise, though. Mm-hmm. If I could guess the name. We can't divulge oh. any information at this point. Start throwing out some names. Some, we have some people that. Am I warmer? Warmer? <laughs> we have some people we've started to talk to. Colder? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, again, that's an exciting thing for us, right? It's like being a trio, might, it might be easier for us to approach, you know, a specific artist to work with them. And because we have that unique kind of sound and arranging quality that we could bring to a song, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, anything to do with instrumentation or is it just sort of collaboration in general? Like what you're shooting both. for? We're both, open to yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, we want to we wanna write songs with other artists, but, you know, if, if we can collaborate and have another musician record on the song with us, that's really cool, too, because our latest record, Small Towns, our biggest mission with that record was we wanted to make a record that was authentically Stillhouse Junkies. Like, we have one guest on that album. It's Becky Bowler playing some twin fiddle. But aside from that, woo, Becky. Becky. But aside from that, like, we really wanted it to be our sound, our trio sound. So now moving forward with our new music, one of our goals is to add some more collaborations and exciting things in there. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe's We got, got your head spinning, man. Yeah. I can see 